You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. I'm glad you're here. Of all the places you could be on Sunday morning, you chose to be with God's people. Some people are doing other things. A whole lot of people are doing other things. But I'm glad you're here. This morning we're going to take a look at a short discussion of God's will. By short, I do mean short. Uh, Comparatively, you could talk about God's will for a long period of time. Because how do you explain it? Uh, How do you plumb the complete depths of God's will? You really can't. You really can't. But we're going to take a look at it this morning. And it's important because so many false doctrines are based on a false understanding of what is called the will of God. And so what we're going to look at this morning is uh, why this discussion is needed. Because the will of God is not a simple monolithic whole. Monolithic is like Describing a huge rock, not a rock, not a boulder, but it's talking about a huge rock like the Rock of Gibraltar. Or if you've been to Australia and you've seen Ayers Rock, or you've seen the cliffs out in um, the Grand Canyon. Huge, unmovable, one piece, uh, a solid rock, huge. That's the idea of a, and a lot of people look at the will of God that way. But it is not that way. There are aspects to the will of God that are different. They show variances. And so what we're going to look at are, uh, things that help us explain the will of God in that sense. So we need to understand that the mistake that Calvin's predestination, uh, makes is based on a misunderstanding of the will of God. Did God will that man sin? No. What he did will was that man be free to choose. And as a consequence of that, man chose to sin. But God did not will that man should sin. And that is uh, the idea that God willed that man should sin because Now, what escapes God's will? Well, if you look at it as a monolithic whole, well, he had to will the man sin. But that's not the case. Because God tells us plainly, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to understand uh, the will of God because we don't understand why things happen. Sometimes we have loved ones die. In spite of all of the efforts that we put forward, in spite of all of the efforts of the doctors and the nurses, it seems like they die early. And yet there are also people that live longer and longer and longer. Longer it seems than they even really want to. They're ready to go. And they seem to... It seems like it's just God's will... You know, we, we think, we, we try to explain it that way. 
Sometimes evil comes on us just out of the blue. And by the word, by the way, when we use the word evil, we don't really mean a moral evil. The, the King James uses the word evil, and sometimes all it means is troubles. The problem of troubles. We all have troubles. You have your troubles, I have mine, even the Beatles sang about that. Uh, but sometimes evil comes on us out of the blue, and we don't know why it happened. Job could not explain why everything happened to him. And you notice when Job gets a chance to ask God why it happened, God doesn't tell him, well, this is exactly why it happened, Job. God answers in Job 38 through 40 by asking Job 40 questions. He says, I will ask you questions and you answer me. And he asks him 40 questions. And here we are several thousand years later. And most of those questions we still can't explain. We have a little bit more of an understanding of some of them. But most of them we just can't explain. God never really explained to Job why those things. You have a better understanding of why those things happened to Job than Job ever did. We blame the will of God when we don't understand why things happen. Well, it was God's will. Well, God, well, we often think, well, that means he must have wanted it to happen. No, not necessarily. There are three things we're going to look at this morning. God's intentional will. We're going to look at God's consequential will, and that in include several different things. As a consequence of Adam and Eve's sin, certain things happen. So you might call it God's consequential will or God's punitive will. And then there is God's ultimate will. There's another one I'm going to talk about later, and that is God's permissive will. Uh, I never did put it into the outline, but I'll try to add it as we go on later. But this discussion is needed because of these ideas. Looking at the will of God, we need to see why certain things happen and understand the will of God as different than one big thing. So, what is God's intentional will? Well, the word intentional tells us that was God, what God wanted from the beginning. For example, this is what the Almighty intended to happen. Uh, because he gave man freedom, what God intended to happen isn't always what happens. It was God's intent man, that man live in the garden or a par on a paradise earth forever. That's why he planted the Garden of Eden. That's why he put Adam and Eve there. And he gave them everything they needed. They had a place to live, and they had each other. And that was it. And then God said, go forth and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. In other words, go to it. This is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to live. That was God's intentional will. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and chapter 2, and verse 16, and verses following. It was God's intentional will that one man have one mate for life. So that's why God gave 
uh, Eve to Adam. It was God's intent that people not need clothing. That was the original intent because God didn't give it to them. As you see here in Genesis chapter 1 or chapter 2, the end of chapter 2, he says, uh, Adam says, God says, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh and they were both naked, the man and his wife and were not ashamed. It wasn't until sin entered the picture that God says, now you have to have clothing. But his original intentional will was the clothing not be necessary. So that was his intent. It was also God's intent that men live in obedience to him. In Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 16, God says, Jehovah commanded the man saying, Of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil thou shalt not eat thereof, for in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. That was God's intent. That man should live in obedience to God. But included in this intent is the right to choose. God gave man, God gave Adam, God gave Eve, God gave Jay, everybody here. You have a moral right to choose to obey God. God wants you to choose to obey him. However, you have the freedom, the moral right to choose whether or not you obey. Now notice, just because you have the moral right to choose doesn't guarantee that every choice that you make is equally moral or equally right. For example, God tells the children of Israel later a number of times. He says, I said before you life and death. Here's a hint. Choose life. But they chose death in so many instances. God says before us, life and death. We can, as some old preachers used to say, we can turn or burn. Well, that's, that's our choice. We make the choice. We are given the moral right to choose. That was God's intentional will, that you had the right to choose to obey him. You had the right to choose not to obey him. But there are consequences to each choice, aren't there? So there is God's intentional will. Next, we look at God's consequential will. In consequence, as a result of certain things, for example, Jay, I'm going to ask, do me a favor. Nope. Didn't, didn't remember to bring it up. If I were to have a $5 bill here, and yeah, of course, you, you, you missed out on it. Actually, I do have a $5 bill. Here we go. All right. Jay, you are in luck. You are in luck. Here we go. $5 bill. Jay, I want you to take the front side of this bill. You took both sides. Yes. I only wanted you to take the front side. 
You notice he didn't give it back either. That's all right, you can keep it. The reason is you can always make the choice, but you cannot choose to escape the consequences of whatever. It's just like that $5 bill. You can't take just one side. You've got to take both sides or no side. And so it is with our choices. And so it is with God's will. When we make our choices, there are always consequences to those choices. And you cannot escape those consequences. No matter how much, how many people want to live like the devil on earth and yet go to heaven after they die. You can't do that. You've got to choose to obey God here if you want to be with God there. So what is God's consequential will? This is what God's will changes to after man's sinful behavior. Sometimes it's not because of sinful behavior as well, but we'll notice that. For example, man was put out of the Garden of Eden. Take a look at Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, God says, I'm going to begin reading in verse 22. Jehovah God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore Jehovah God sent him forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden the cherubim and the flame of a sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Man was commanded to eat of the tree of life in the Garden of Eden. He was commanded and forbidden to eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and of evil. Now that he ate of the, gar- the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and of evil, get my tongue wrapped around my eye teeth, can't see what I'm saying. But now that he's eaten of the tree of knowledge, he must not eat of the tree of life, or he'll live forever out of fellowship with God. So as a consequence of having chosen what he did, he was put out of the garden. That's God's consequential will. As a consequence of them choosing sin, they also had to put on clothing of animal skins. And who killed that first animal? Let's take a look. It says, And Jehovah God made for Adam and for his wife coats of skins and clothed them. Now he gave them a coat of skins and he covered them from their shoulders down to their knees. That's the meaning of the term that he, that he used. What God was doing was he killed that animal in front of them so that they would know what they had done by committing sin. This is the consequence of... He wanted them to understand in the most graphic possible way. You've done a terrible thing. It may seem, as we look back on it now, that not much happened to them, but... I can assure you they understood from the very beginning that the, the, the results of what they had done was terrible. So also, 
man would not live forever in this world. We're separated from the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. As a result, when God said, in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. When man ate of the tree, he died. He died spiritually instantly. But it's kind of like, when did Japan lose World War II? It's real easy, on December 7th, 1941. Well, there were four more years of war. Well, yeah, that's true. But the outcome was already determined when they attacked. In the same manner, the outcome of man's physical life was already determined when he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil. Because he was going to be separated from the tree of life. He was going to die. Did it happen that physical day? No. But it was already determined. By the same token, man will not live forever in this world because that's God's consequential will. These sinful actions changed God's intentional will. It was God's intentional will that man not need clothing, that man live forever in the garden, that he would live forever in this world. But as a result of choosing to do sinful actions, God's will changed. Why is it important for me to know this? Oh, it's real simple. It's important because we see the will of God being worked out in the lives of God's servants throughout history. Did God will everything to happen? Did God want everything to happen that happened to God's servants? No, sometimes it wasn't God's intention, intention at all. God intended that Jonathan rule after Saul. But Saul's rebellion in the matter of Amalek changed that. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10, God sent Samuel to reprimand Saul. And we're told here, Then came the word of Jehovah unto Samuel, saying, It repenteth me. Repent? I've changed my mind. Concerning Saul. We use the word repent. We always attach the, a moral meaning. Meaning we need to repent concerning evil. The idea is. In the, in the original word. It's just that you change your mind. It repented God that he had made man. On the earth. In Genesis chapter 6. That's why he sent the flood. Here it repented him concerning Samuel. Or concerning Saul. So it says, the word of the Lord came, Jehovah came to Samuel saying, It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And Samuel was wroth and he cried unto Jehovah all night. And Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning and it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set him up a monument and turned to pass down and went to Gilgal. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou, Jehovah, I have performed the commandments of the Lord. And Samuel said, What, mean, what meaneth then the bleeding of the sheep in my ears, and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared of the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto Jehovah. That wasn't God's command. God said, leave alive nothing that breathes. 
And even if the people did want to do that, Saul was the king. He was responsible. He said, they wanted to sacrifice them unto Jehovah thy God, and the rest were utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what Jehovah hath said to me this night. And he said unto him, Stay on. And Samuel said, Though thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? Jehovah anointed thee king over Israel, and Jehovah sent thee on a journey and said, Go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them till they be consumed. Wherefore didst thou not obey the voice of the Jehovah, but didst fly upon the spoil, and did that which is evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Jehovah, and have gone the way which Jehovah sent me, and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the spoil the sheep, the oxen, and the devoted things to sacrifice to Jehovah thy God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, and here is the key to all of it. Hath Jehovah as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of Jehovah? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat rams. It's better to do what God tells you to do than what you think God might want. That's what Samuel told Saul. And we need to understand that God's will, he had originally decided, intended that Jonathan would lead after Saul. But Saul changed all that. It was never God's intent for the children of Israel to practice human sacrifice. Yet they did. In Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 31, neither did it enter my mind, God said. He put the children of Israel in the land of promise. He wanted them to obey him. He gave them the freedom to choose. But God says, it never entered my mind that you would practice human sacrifice. Now, did God know that they would? Well, God knows the end from the beginning. God knows what we're going to do. But he gives us the chance. He gives us the right to make the choice for ourselves. Did God know that they would eventually do this? Yes. Was it God's intent? No. He says, it never entered my mind that you would do that. That was never my intention. And since they did, he brought destruction upon them. As a result, as a consequence, as a punishment for what they did, he brought destruction upon them. We must understand that sin is not the only thing that changes God's will. For example, righteousness changes God's intentional will as well. For example, if you take a look at the nation of uh, Assyria and Nineveh, they escaped in God's intentional will by repentance in Jonah chapter 3. Why did God send Jonah to Nineveh if he was never under any circumstances going to change his mind. Why bother warning them? In 40 days, they'd be all gone anyway. God sent Jonah. And Jonah chose to flee to Tarshish. God said, not so fast, Jonah. You forget, I'm not a God of near at hand and not a God of far off. 
He turned Jonah around and Jonah says, okay, I'll go. Jonah preached yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the king of Nineveh ordered that everyone, the animals be clothed with sackcloth and ashes and they would pray and ask God's forgiveness. They lasted another hundred years. Their righteousness and their repentance changed God's, it was God's intent to destroy them. But he sent them Jonah with the hope that they would change. And they did. And so God changed his will. We need to understand King Hezekiah changed God's intentional will by prayer in Isaiah 38 verses 1 through 9. Isaiah went to him and said, Set thy house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. And Hezekiah laid on his bed and turned his face to the wall and prayed. And while Isaiah was yet walking away, God said, go back and tell Hezekiah I'll give him another 15 years. Righteousness changes God's intent as well. It's important because we know that we can change God's will. James chapter 5, verse uh, verse 13 through 18 James tells us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. He says, is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is any cheerful? Let him give praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith shall save him that is sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, it shall be forgiven him. Confess therefore your sins one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The supplication of a righteous man avails much in its working. Elijah was a man of like passions with us. We think of Elijah as being one of these spiritual giants, not like us at all. James says he was just like us. And yet he prayed and it rained not for three and a half years. And then he prayed and it did rain. Jesus tells us in John 14, John 15, John 16, to pray because our prayer can change God's will. And then we have God's ultimate will. But before I get into God's ultimate will, I want to add the one that I said I should have added, and that is God's permissive will. God's permissive will is here's an area you can do whatever you want. For example, how do you earn your living? Jay and I are preachers. Uh, Matt, I believe, is an attorney. Uh, Some of you are retired. Some of you are housewives. and Some of you haven't started into the working part of your lives yet. Guess what? All of those are part of God's permissive will. You can choose anything you want. You can choose any way of earning your living you want as long as it's honorable, as long as it's honest, as long as it's legal in in your society, and you can provide for your family. That's God's permissive will. How do you dress? I, I can guarantee you Jay has never showed up in a skirt to preach. You've had me confess a lot of things this week. Yeah. Well, see, there you go. 
And yet, in the first century, most men, all men wore skirts. No men wore pants. Pants weren't invented until the Middle Ages. And then only the poor people wore them because the sophisticated and the rich and the elite wore stockings and you know, whatever. But that's the choice that God, that's permissive will. Those are things that God allows. I chose to become a preacher because I'm allergic to work. Well, some kinds of work. That's one of my few allergies. But there are other things that I could just as easily have done. I got my degree in biology, in research biology. I could have continued on with that. I originally went to school to become a physical therapist. Could have continued on with that. That's God's permissive will. You can do a lot of things that way. But that's God's will as well. Certain people are gifted for to find a certain way of providing for their families or being part of their families and making their contribution. And certain people have other gifts. And as long as we choose those means which are within God's permissive will, like 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, walking in the light. Here's a circle of light. Anywhere you want to go in there, fine with me. Anything you want to do in there, fine with me. Don't go out in the darkness. Well, we all make the mistake. We all fall short sometimes. We all step. But the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sins. Now we're going to talk about God's ultimate will. What is God's ultimate will? That's the final outworking of God's intentional will. God intended that you spend eternity with him forever. His initial intention was you spend it with him in obedience here on a paradise earth. The ultimate will is you're still going to spend eternity with him. You're still going to be in paradise, but it won't be this paradise. It'll be a new heavens and a new earth. God wanted men to live forever on paradise earth. But now a new heavens and a new earth are going to be, but only those who choose to obey. God's original intentional will was for you to choose to obey him. That's still the case. So what is your choice? Will you be one of those who choose to obey? Or will you choose to forfeit everything that God wanted for you? Now's the time. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation, won't you come while we stand and sing the song that's been selected? Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.